Medtronic Technologies impacted more than 72 million people in the last year, equating to two people every second. Harnessing the power of technology to take healthcare further, each technology has unique benefits designed to serve patients. The goal of this program is to get closer to the patient and delve into the challenges and impact of each technology in practice. This is the Medtronic MedEd Learning Experience. The INVOS monitoring system should not be used as the sole basis for diagnosis or therapy and is intended only as an adjunct in patient assessment. Medtronic's medical education programs are offered to provide attendees education on the FDA-cleared indications and use of our products when applicable. The contents and conclusions of the following program are solely those of the speakers unless otherwise noted. The speakers are responsible for all content and any necessary permissions. The speakers received funding from Covidian LP, a Medtronic company, for this speaking engagement. For this segment of the series, a discussion on the value of NEARS and clinical practice in the NICU, how can the INVOS monitor be used in real-time assessments? To help provide insight into this topic is Carrie Marin, PhD, NNPBC, FAANP at Augusta University. And this illustration is where the clinical piece unfolds. And this is what the clinician needs to remember. What we are seeing here is markers of perfusion that we constantly monitor to assess our babies and make sure that they have adequate organ perfusion. And we start over here with markers of perfusion and when they change based on inadequate perfusion. And as we advance down this timeline, we get further and further towards irreversible cell damage, cell death, tissue damage, and tissue death as we allow things to continue unchecked. And so here is where the RSO2 tells us that we have perfusion changes. This represents an immediate change in perfusion in real time. It's the first indicator that is going to be responsive um, secondary to changes in perfusion. And very quickly after that, we see we have decreased pulses, color change, de delayed capillary refill, and now we're into cold extremities. We allow that to continue over minutes to hours, and we end up with lactate buildup, metabolic acidosis, and now we get changes in BP. This is interesting because this is what we are seeing in research. We are seeing that it's, uh, sometimes we don't even see this for a lot longer than minutes in our babies. We don't have that um, immediate change in blood pressure when we see that we have inadequate perfusion. And in our babies, especially in the first two weeks of life, they may not demonstrate oliguria until they are way down this pathway of abnormal perfusion. And I can say that creatinine is a very elevation in creatinine that reflects kidney damage or kidney injury is a very late, very late uh, marker of kidney injury. Because when we get to creatinine changes, it's been reported that up to 25 to 50% of renal function
has already been lost. That's a big deal because if we have that much renal function lost in an immature kidney bed where nephrons are still developing, we may have this irreversible cell death. As we allow this to progress, we then end up with possible hypotension and cardiac arrest. Now, one thing I do want to say from this timeline, I think you probably noticed that we don't have changes in pulse oximetry on this timeline. And I think it's because it is, what I have seen in my research is changes at SpO2 are so highly variable infant to infant. And again, SpO2 is reflective of, excuse me, of how much oxygen is being delivered to the tissue bed. And it may take, um, it may take a little while before you see that change. And if we're given oxygen, we may not see it at all. All right, so what does this mean clinically? We must monitor for changes and trends over time. And each tissue bed is going to have varying degrees of oxygen extraction depending on its metabolic needs. This is a real important thing that you have to remember when you're doing regional tissue evaluation, regional tissue oxygen evaluation. Because the brain is basically in a constant metabolic need of oxygen. Its needs do not fluctuate over time based on its performance or what it needs to do compared to the kidney and the gut, which their needs for oxygen may vary depending on what their function is. And so Dr. Mincer went in and did an evaluation of variability in RSO2 in stable, quiet, hemodynamically stable, quiet preterm infants. And he found this exact thing, that the variability in the cerebral beds is pretty low, around 3%. That means fluctuating around the baseline. And in the renal beds, we see moderate variability, meaning it's a little more constant than, well, actually it's a lot more constant than the gut, a little less constant than the brain, meaning that this, the renal RSO2 may be more easily affected by a change in total body hypoperfusion. And then we see high variability in the gut. This is important. And this, and this remember, is in a stable infant. So the question becomes, if you lose variability, does that mean there's something pathologic occurring? And I think that is a question that we have to ask as far as what is occurring if we lose variability and especially if we see a decrease in the perfusion with a loss of variability. So the decrease, the reasons for decreased RSO2, we could have a decrease in blood or oxygen delivery or both. The reasons for this, hemorrhage, anemia, hypoxia, there's a number of reasons, vasoconstriction, hypoperfusion, or hypotension. Or that specific tissue bed may be in trouble. Maybe there's something underlying and it's extracting most or all of the oxygen that's being delivered because it needs 
more oxygen to carry out its function. Or we could have an alteration in the affinity between oxygen and hemoglobin. If you remember back to the oxygen hemoglobin dissociation curve, um, there are things that shift it to the left or to the right. Uh, metabolic acidosis, alkalosis, changes in CO2, changes in temperature. So anything that could affect that, the ability of oxygen to be unloaded in the tissue bed could cause an alteration or a decreased RSO2. But most likely it's a combination of these things, especially in our preterm infants. These are um, what is reported now as the ranges, the typical reference ranges. I will say that each baby really sets their own baseline. And I have seen it over and over and over again that you can't um, go with a range and say, okay, my baby is, it's supposed to be at 50, but my baby's at 45, so we're in trouble. If that's the baby's own baseline, what you're looking for is changes in that baseline. You're also looking at the baby's condition. What are the determinants that could be affecting um, oxygenation in these tissue beds? Thank you for listening. This is the conclusion of the value of NEARS in clinical practice in the NICU podcast series. Please tune in to other series from Medtronic MedEd Learning Experience wherever you find your podcasts.